0: views and opinions expressed on this platform are of me, myself, and I, not any agency I'm affiliated with. So please do not take what I say personally. So if you know me, you know I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. And one that I have an opinion on, and a very strong one, is recently in the news, there were the two medics that were charged with murder after their patient died. Whether it was in their care or not, it um, it's still kind of unclear, but regardless, the patient died because of the lack of, I guess you could say, care or empathy or basic human emotions <laughs> towards this patient. So, I'm going to do this episode in one take, so bear with me, but I just want to bring a couple of points to, I don't know to mind as you think about this case. So with this case, there are many things to consider, and I'm going to go ahead and lay out the names of the people. The patient is Earl L. Moore Jr., and the two medics that are being charged with his murder are Peggy Finley and Peter Cadigan. So let's just start off with their names. Peggy, who names their child Peggy? And Peter just, you know, whatever. Um but i just it is disgusting if nothing else it is disgusting the pure negligence that these these medics carried on this scene and on this case in general and just like it's medics like this that make the general public not trust EMS not you know cuz whenever you see these medics who don't care who don't give a rip it it gives the the general public like this this idea of like well, this is how they treat all patients when the rest of us, you know, the outliers of the general mass of EMS workers, we don't treat patients like this. No, like if nothing else, you get fired. If you can't even get past the, oh, well, this is a human life in your hands, you get fired for this kind of stuff. So nobody's doing this kind of stuff. But anyways, um, and I'm not even going to get into the Pandora's box of the political and racial aspects Of this entire call so with all of that I have in my show notes a couple of links to either the CNN article there's a New York Times article about it Um, I also have the police officers body cam footage in the show notes as well there's three different ones all kind of give the same idea Um, another reference that I have is the rapid sequence rapid sequence information uh, platform it's by the EMS 2020 Podcast. They have their own YouTube channel. And they go through like this case as well. And a lot of, well, most of what I've, what I've gathered from this case is from that video. So I'm going to also reference that. And I'll talk about it later. But the Redonda Vaught case, I have the article on that as well in the show notes. So this case. Um, so the cops were called for someone calling 911 obviously. Um, You're not really able to tell what's going on, just that there's somebody going through withdrawals, something like that. The cops get to the front door and this lady answers and she's saying that the guy, the patient, he's having hallucinations and he's going through withdrawals, all this stuff. And you get, you get to where the cops, the officer gets to the patient. And this patient is like mumbling things and he's breathing heavy. And you can kind of tell his skin's glistening a little bit. He's sweating. But you look around, and everybody else is in coats. So that's issue number one. But the officer kind of asks the guy, like, do you want an ambulance? And the guy's kind of, he's telling him different numbers. He's not making any sense. So the officer calls for an ambulance because the guy is also writhing on the bed. He can't even give a correct address to where they are. So good on the officer for picking up on something, like, something's not right. And it's it's just, it it's not a good scene. And I've been asked to come to these calls where the cops just, they want somebody checked out for, you know, if it's a wreck or, um, I don't know, somebody like, they, they're they possibly intoxicated and they just want, you know, they want us to come check them out, make sure they can bring them to jail, whatever it is. And then you get there and it's like, oh, I just want my vitals checked. And it's annoying. But you know what? It's the job. It is our job to go to calls, whether they are dumb or not. It is not our job to judge whether the officers should have called us or not and gotten us out the bed or stopped us from doing whatever we were doing. Like, it is our job to go to the call and take care of these patients. So the medics get there. And I'm just going to be honest, the crew looks sloppy. Sloppy. Um, and initially only one of them is even like involved in this entire scene, in this entire scenario. The other one just stands at the door and I hate to be that person, but it is such a stereotypical crew. One of them, she looks like she kind of just rolled out the bed. She looks tired already. The other one, and I hate to say this, he's overweight, like wildly overweight. To the point that it's like, dude, if you go up this flight of stairs, you're probably going to be out of breath and just, you don't have to be a supermodel. You don't have to be the most fit person in the room, but like, at least take care of yourself if you're going to be in this job telling other people what is healthy and what is not healthy and how to to live their life. But besides that, um, most importantly, they come into the room with no equipment. They don't have a monitor. They don't even have gloves on. Let that sink in. They come in for this possibly intoxicated individual. They don't know what's going on. And they come in with nothing but a notepad. Quality care. So Peggy gets a report from the officer of what happened. And all while she's staring at this guy on the ground. And the guy is sweating. He's breathing heavily. And then she just slowly starts writing things down. They did no assessment. No vital signs were taken. She didn't even check his pulse rate. She didn't even, like, ask him, hey, are you okay? Can you tell me your name? Like, even if they were dispatched to a drunk person, like the cop's body cam shows on one of them, there's no reason why they would have stayed, they would have stayed split up or, like, not even brought any equipment in. Like, Literally, they don't even stand next to each other on this call, and you never know what could go on. So that, that just shows their disdain for the entire call and this patient from the get-go. Body language has been everything reviewing this footage. And just in general, the patient is obviously not okay. Even if he's just drunk or if he is de- detoxing, whatever it is, there is still a number of things that could be going on. He could have fallen and that's why he's on the ground and maybe he has a head bleed or maybe he took something. I'll get to that later. So the medic tells the guy repeatedly and in such a distasteful way, get up. Literally, she yells at the guy to sit up like she's his mom and then keeps asking him his birthday like he's going to be able to answer it after she asked him about like 20 times. And then she further says phrases like, you're going to have to walk and I'm seriously not in the mood for this. If you want to come with us, you better get up. Like, it's not working. So (laughs) the cops start just dragging the guy out of the house, and the medic says, no, he's just being lazy. Come on, man, get up, or you can stay here. The attitude that the medic had with the patient was not only uncalled for, but then the vibe of everyone in the room Like, it just gets sucked out of everybody and they all just fall into this role. And it's just blatant disregard for the patient. It is blatant disregard for that the situation is not looking good, that the guy cannot stand up. He's not being lazy. (sighs) So they spend about 10 minutes just trying to get him outside when they could have just grabbed a stair chair versus dragging him out. Literally dragging him out. And you can see it every time he stands up, like he looks pale, but every time he stands up, like he starts falling and it's not like a, like a child throwing a tantrum. The guy's not doing good and he looks like he's passing out. And like, not even just the stair chair, bringing the stretcher closer to where the house is. Like, there's steps to get up to the house, it look like. So, yeah, it makes sense to get a stair chair. But also, like, if you're going to make him walk and drag him out, bring the stretcher closer. And whenever they get to the stretcher, he literally lays on the stretcher. And it's obvious that he can't stand. And they're sitting there like, this is getting real silly, Earl. Like, my mans can't stand. He's probably passed out. He could have been dead on that stretcher for, like, a solid minute before anyone ever even bothered to help pick him up. So when they lift him onto the stretcher, the other medic or whomever he is, whatever he is, he manhandles him and it looks like he grabs his face and slams him into the stretcher. Now, if he did that or not, I don't know, but it is 100% what it looked like. So then the medics like burrito him in with blankets. They burrito the patient face down, strap the belts on so tight that he can't even move his head left or right. They strapped him down so tight. Like, it just, it made me sick. And even if he was supine on the stretcher, so, like, even if he's not laying on his stomach, but he's laying on his back, he was burritoed in so hard. And, like, just the way the way the straps were so tight, there was, still would have been no way of airway protection for him. And if nothing else, nobody transports patients like this anymore. This is called hog tying your patient and nobody does this again not to get political but the george floyd case should have capitalized this in regards to positional asphyxia and that's kind of what i want to talk about a little bit but before i get to that i want to talk about alcohol withdrawal so from the get-go the lady that answers the door she's I think she's startled by seeing the cops because she's like, there's no guns here. You know, there's nothing wrong with us, blah, blah, blah. But she says that he's going through withdrawal. And with alcohol withdrawal symptoms, you have things like anxiety, hallucinations, agitation, and it can occur several several hours after a person has their last drink. And I mean, further, there are more concerning aspects of withdrawal, such as like seizures and death. So it's not just that he's withdrawing, but he's so far into the withdrawal that he's having hallucinations. And ERs will actually prescribe alcohol in little bits to people going through withdrawals because they'll also get like tremors and you cannot function going through a withdrawal. So it's not just a light thing of like, oh, I haven't had a drink. Let me, it's very serious. So not even to mention with him being altered, and unable to answer basic questions, like it takes him a minute to get out his name. He's not even able to answer like the address that he's at. There's a myriad of symptoms that are hiding behind this withdrawal that could be going on. So whenever the medic gets there, he's on the ground. Did he fall? Does he have a head bleed? Alcoholics are actually more susceptible to head bleeds. And then you got to worry about, well, did he take something? And now we're worried about an overdose. This isn't just something of like, he's a drunk, we got to transport. And in reality, and I'm calling myself out on this, drunk shouldn't just be, oh, he's drunk, let's take him to the ER. You do have to do a thorough and full assessment. You have to look at your vital signs. You have to look at what could be going on. This person is altered. Maybe they're not able to tell me everything that's going on. Now, do you have to put everybody on a backboard, put a C-collar on them and you know, transport them, emergency lights and sirens, not necessarily, but still you have to take everything in consideration. And I'll just be very honest. I'm, I'm calling myself out on that. In and all, in all honesty with this case, I've been one to roll my eyes at drunks and I've been one to not have the best lat, like, the best sense of pity on these people going through withdrawal because you know in my mind it's oh well they have you know they don't have enough control but these are still patients and this was a man who required a full assessment and workup but was never granted that amount of compassion or care by the very people he called for and that's a shame so secondly with the positional asphyxia the problem with transporting patients face down one is a lack of comfort Like your chin is down on the stretcher. It's got to be uncomfortable. But more importantly than that, he can't move his head from either side. Like he can't move his head to the right or to the left. So with that, your throat and airway can become occluded and blocked off. So you can't breathe. And with him being on his stomach, the pressure of his own weight on top of the straps and the gurney being cinched so tight as they were. It creates a vacuum of sorts and causes the lack of ability to effectively transfer O2 and CO2 so he can't breathe right, and he ended up suffocating to death, laying there in the care of the very people he called for. Like on my favorite podcast, uh, the World's Okayest Medic podcast, um, my friend Mike Crunchio brings up a good point. In other recent events, they, you have the the Redonda Vought case where this nurse was basically charged of murder um, when she gave a paralytic to a patient instead of like a sedative or whatever it was called for. So with this paralytic, once given, the patient can't even move. They can't breathe. They can't do anything on their own. So all of these nurses were behind her and at the same time acknowledging that, you know, it was a quote unquote murder charge, even though it was extreme. It's just the it's the exception of legalistic implications. But Redonda still made a negligent mistake that caused that caused a patient their life. And from someone who has been intubated while awake, it is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying knowing that you can hear everything going on. You're feeling everything and there is nothing you can do about it. You can't even breathe on your own. So I can't fully imagine, but I can imagine the absolute terror that this patient felt while lying there, unable to move, unable to breathe, just slowly dying and you can't even tell anybody. But unlike the Redonda Vaught case, in this case with these medics, I haven't seen the first EMS personnel Remotely showing any compassion or justifying their actions because it is so grossly negligent. And a point I do want to bring up let's not forget about the officers that now ha- they have this man's death on their shoulders. Like, imagine being the last ones that saw this man able to walk and breathe, seeing how the medics treated him, even like. There's a part where on the officer's body cam, they walk in and there's like this weird background music playing, like birds chirping. Maybe it's some kind of animal kingdom show going on on the TV. I don't know, whatever it was, but it's like a nice soothing background noise. And when the medics were still on scene with this patient, like the officer looks at the medic and he tells her like, hey, listen to the relaxing music and basically tells her like, hey, let's calm down. And the medic just rolls her eyes. She's like, I can't. But now these officers who had to drag this patient out, they watched watched them like throw this patient onto the stretcher, strap him down tight to where he can't move. Now these officers have to live knowing that this patient is dead. And I'm sorry, but they could have done something to stop it. I understand that like, oh, well, those are the medics. They're the ones that are supposed to help. But at the same time, You see something that's obviously wrong, say something. But that's all I got. I think the medic should rightly be charged with murder. I think that what they did was absolutely uncalled for. I think that if anyone sees somebody like a... If somebody sees someone treating anybody else this way, I think they should be called out on on it and they should be fired. Like, I just you can't treat people this way and be in this job so that's my uh one take on that situation um but that's all i got again i have in the show notes all of the links and stuff like that that i'm going to use and i would love to know everybody else's opinions everyone else's thoughts i do have a question i want to bring up per one of my favorite listeners one of them on this planet i have a question for my ems people do you sleep with your socks on or off at the station while you're on duty and it is a very important question to this listener dustin if you're listening you're welcome i finally put the question in there but now i'm kind of curious do you sleep with your socks on or off at the station while on duty i do maybe that makes me gross. So with that, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or future topic ideas, please email me at 22 at the lips podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's 22 at the lips podcast at gmail.com. Be safe out there friends and never stop learning.